So for those that don't, might not know me, um, my name is Trisha, and uh, this is either the fifth or the sixth, does anybody know, play that we have done here at Mountainside. Um, and I have been lucky enough to be a part of all of these productions. Um, I am constantly humbled by these kids and the work that they do, and I feel overwhelmed and grateful to be a part of it. Um, it really is their work. They write it, they make it themselves, they do all of the work, um, and they are so excited to share it with you guys today, and I'm so excited for you guys to see it. Um, I, I d we, the, the kids and I have been talking about um, how creative our God is and the storyteller that our God is um, and the amazing story of Jesus and the drama of it and how we are welcomed into that story. Um, and so by enacting this, um, we hope that your imagination is also opened and that you feel welcomed into God's story. So without any further ado, welcome to uh, the Mountainside Children's Players <laughs> Resurrection Play. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joanna brought fragrant spices to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to Jesus' tomb. Who is going to roll away the stone? I don't know. But as they walked up, they found that the very large tombstone had been rolled away. Where is Jesus' body? <laughs> don't be alarmed. Why do you look for living among the dead? He isn't here. He has been raised. Remember what he said in Galilee? The human one must be handed over to be crucified and on the third day rise again. The women remembered his words but ran frightened from the tomb. They ran to Peter, John, and the disciples to tell them what had happened. They've taken the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they've taken him. Peter and John ran together to the tomb, but John arrived first. The cloth they wrapped him in, look! Is it true? He isn't here. He just disappeared like that. Strange. Could he have gone? <laughs> Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have taken him so I can go and get him. Mary! Teacher! Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go tell my brothers and sisters, for I am going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. I have seen the Lord. Mary left and told the disciples all she had seen and heard. Later that day, two disciples were traveling from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. They were discussing all the wonders that had happened in the last few days. While they were talking, Jesus arrived. 
But the disciples were kept from noticing who he really was. What are you talking about as you walk on your way? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who is not aware of what has happened there these past few days? What things? The things about Jesus of Nazareth. His powerful deeds and words made him recognized by God and by all the people. But the chief priests and leaders handed him over to be killed. We all had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. All of these things happened three days ago. That's not all, though. Some friends of our group went to the tomb this morning and found the tomb empty with the stone rolled away. They told us this, that they saw angels that told them that Jesus was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb this morning, and when they returned, they told us that these things were true. You foolish people. Your dull minds keep you from believing. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to die and suffer before entering his glory? Then he interpreted for all them all things written about him, starting from Moses, through going through all the prophets. Let's stop here. Will you have dinner with us? <laughs> Let's pray. It's Jesus! Where did he go? Were our hearts on fire when he spoke to us and read us scriptures along the road? Let's go back to Jerusalem. He has risen. They talked about Jesus and returned to the city to spread the message that Jesus was actually alive. Later, the disciples were gathered all in a house together, talking about how they had seen Jesus. But Thomas, one of the twelve, wasn't with the others when Jesus came to them. He didn't believe that Jesus was alive. Until I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. Even though all the doors in the house were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. Peace be with you. Why are you startled? Why is there doubt in your hearts? Thomas, look at my hands. Put your fingers in the wounds. Put your hand into my side. Believe. My Lord and my God. You believe because you see me. Those who do not see and still believe are happy. See. Feel me, touch me, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones like you see I have. Praise God. Praise God, it's really him. Do you have anything to eat? These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He then opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We listen to you, and we'll do what you say. Thank you, Lord. And again, he vanished from their sight. Later, Jesus himself appeared again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. I'm going fishing. We'll go with you. They fished all that night, but they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was him. 
Children, have you caught any fish? No. Cast your net on the right side and you will find some. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> there are too many fish. I can't pull in the net. This is crazy. It must be the Lord. Come bring some of the fish you have caught and come have breakfast. Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than the others? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, Lord you, you know everything. You, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. I assure you, when you were younger, you tied your own belt and wandered wherever you wanted. When you go older, another, you will stretch out your arms and another will tie your belt and lead you where you do not want to go. Follow me. John, come sit with us. After this, Jesus appeared to many more people. Jesus' followers gathered to hear him speak for the last time, though they did not know it would be the last. I have received all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to every creature, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have told you. You will be known by these things. You cast out demons in my name and heal the sick. You speak in new languages, languages, and I myself will be with you to the end of this present age. Where did he go? Did you see him? Did you see him? Did you see him? No. I didn't see him either. Hey, why are you standing there looking at the sky? This Jesus, who is taken from you into heaven, will come again in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Therefore, go in peace, like he has told you. The end.
Can we give them another round of applause? Wow. feels for you guys, but that was a big deal for us. Thank you so much for all your hard work, all your energy, um, the way you worked with each other and worked with Tricia and so many other adults. Um, thank you. That was really, really great. And you guys did an awesome, awesome job. So um, it's hard to know what to really say after something so amazing like that. So I won't say much other than we're going to we're going to keep thinking about that, what you just did, as we continue to worship God, um, the risen Lord, together. So what I want to do is, why don't we um, let all of you go first? You're gonna, I'm going to dismiss you for a little bit. You're going to go get your costumes off, just kind of relax a little bit. And then we're hoping that you'll come back in and join us in a little bit. Um, what's that? You're going to. Okay, good, Sid. Thanks. So why don't you guys head on out with Trisha? We'll let you go first, all right? Awesome, awesome job. Yeah. Um, if you are a parent of a child who's one or two, uh, we will dismiss you now. Your, your one- and two-year-olds can go to their class. And you can go right through this door. And then kids who are three, four, and five, you also can go through this door and head to your classrooms. Yeah, Drew, you can go to your classroom. All right? If you're in godly play, you're going to hang tight and stay with us, okay? Then you get to go that way. For those of us uh, in the room still, um, I want to invite you to, to stand for this song, and then we're going to sing a song and pray and um, just continue to worship together. Amen. God, we thank you for um, your, your presence. And that the earth is indeed full of your glory, um, and that your glory is among us. Um, we pray, God, that the remainder of our worship, again, would just be honoring unto you. Um, and we thank you for your living presence um, with us. It's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, I want to give you an opportunity to um, practice the message of Christ um, at the resurrection, which is peace. Um, so let's spend a few moments just passing the peace of Christ with each other. And then um, we're going to come back and hear from uh, my mom, and she's going to open up the scriptures for us. So the peace of Christ be with you. All right, everyone, let's find a seat. Peace of Christ be with you. Thank you. Welcome back, kids, and thanks once again for sharing your gifts. Um, a, a little over a month ago, um, Josh contacted me and um, said, I have these three dates and I want you to pick one to do the teaching. 
And in all honesty, Josh has talked to me, talked to me for quite a while about doing that, doing this. And, I, and I've been hesitant. I, I haven't really um, jumped at this opportunity. But I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I've known Josh for a long time. <laughs> and um, my experience with Josh is, you know, when he gets something in his head, he is just not going to give it up. He's going to just come right back at you. And so when he contacted me, um, and I saw the three dates, and I saw that today the children were also going to be doing the teaching, I thought, hey, that's the Sunday. That's, that's the one I'll do. As you know, we're going through the book of Matthew. And so uh, it had been brought to my attention that, you know, this morning we are going to be in the text Matthew 7, 1 through 6. But again, as I looked at it, I just thought, oh. I mean, it's the one where Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in the eye of that person and not look at the big old log that's in your eye? You hypocrite. Do not, give, do not give dogs what is sacred. And that's kind of a slur on these people. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. I'm not sure who the pigs are. If you do, they may trample under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And I just, I'm not going to do that. That's not the text. That's not the text. You know what? So really, in a couple weeks, Josh will do that text. And I'm sure he'll be, just do a great job. I got a copy of the kids' play, um, and I, I was drawn to it. I thought, man, this thing is really great. But, you know, the thing that stuck out in my mind is the title of the play. It's just a one-word title, Resurrection. And I, I, that just kept coming back into my head. And I found myself asking questions um, like, Resurrection. Now, does the resurrection, does the resurrection really matter in the way we think it does? And I found myself thinking, how necessary really was the resurrection? Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, I was pondering these things, but I mean, if I was preaching in any other church, I would not be admitting that I've had these questions going through my head, at least not the churches that invite me to come and preach and teach. But Mountainside is not like other churches, and so we sometimes question orthodoxy. We question tradition. Tradition. We wonder, are we interpreting this text correctly? We like to dig in there and ask questions and say those questions out loud. And I like that about us. Well, at least most of the time. <laughs> I do. I was taken to the Old Testament. And you know, early on in the Old Testament, we find that God creates a sacrificial system by which people can come to God, can come before God, and they can confess their need for God, they can acknowledge the holiness of God, they can seek God, they can seek forgiveness, and they can have the experience of knowing all is well 
between me and God. And this involved taking uh, the finest goat or lamb or dove sometimes and, and, and slaughtering that animal. And it became that offering by which we are saying to God, God, something had to die. I know that you are so holy and you're good and it's not just enough to say sorry, but there needs to be a sacrifice made. Blood needs to be shed. There has to be death to something in order for us to be okay, God. But the reality is, and that's important, but the reality is those, the animals, they didn't get resurrected. They didn't come back to life. There was no sense that, well, you died, but they've got to come to life again. I also um, think about how we tie the resurrection many times, not just to um, that Old Testament sacrificial system, but tradition, we, the church, sometimes have this connection, our understanding, and I think it's correct, by the way, that somehow the resurrection is what sealed the deal for eternal life. And there's, there's some truth to that, but, you know, there are a lot of people who also believe in an afterlife, who also believe that there's heaven, other cultures, other religions. They are as convinced of the afterlife and that there's heaven as we are. And Jesus' resurrection has nothing to do, does not even enter the conversation or thought as to Jesus' resurrection is, is the only reason that there is this eternal life that we can look forward to. The other thing is, the Bible, I think eternal life is really significant, important, and heaven, and all of that. But I want to say to you, the Bible doesn't really say very much about heaven. I think in tradition, we have made the Bible say more about heaven than the Bible says about heaven. We, all we really know is that in heaven, God will be there. And we will know him and be known face to face. We know that. We know that Jesus will be praised. That Jesus will be evident as indeed that slaughtered lamb. As Jesus will indeed be like those lambs and goats and doves from way back into the Old Testament. That someone had to die and pay the price. And we will, be, and we will see that. And our response will be to worship God, to praise Christ, to jump around and dance and no more tears and, and we'll be known and we won't even care that we're really known. Because all of the stuff that we try to, you know, hide or that we don't like, you know, none of that stuff will matter there. But again, I, I'm not sure that it's enough to say, well, the resurrection's important because in the Old Testament, someone died, even though those weren't resurrected. And also we know it's 
res resurrection is essential because we, that's how we get to heaven. I, th I think we get to heaven because Christ paid the price for us. Christ took on all of our gunk, all of our stuff, and he paid the price and he died. And he was resurrected. And that is really good news. The truth is, I do think resurrection matters. But sometimes I, I think it matters in ways that we don't pay attention to sometimes. And, and the thing I came to over the last couple weeks in preparing for today, I think the resurrection has a lot to do with the world. Scripture says a lot about the world, the creation. And you know what? The story, after chapter 2 of Genesis, where God says, hey, it's good. Well, that's, that's it. From then on, the world is damaged. The world is presented in Scripture as really broken and lost. And the world is presented in scripture as moving to where we want to be God ourselves. And we'll make our own gods. And this is the condition of the world. And somehow, I suspect that the resurrection has a whole lot to do with how scripture describes the world. How scripture makes the point over and over again. The world I created, the world that was just good, is damaged and broken and hopeless, and they have their own gods, and they make up their own rules, and they live by those. We only have to read Genesis 1 through 11 to discover you know, this. The world's a mess. We have Genesis 1 and 2 where God creates Adam and Eve and creates the world, and it is good, and it's perfect. And then in chapter 3, we find that Adam and Eve, um, they mess up. There's, there's no getting around it. They really mess up. And they choose to do what God doesn't want them to do. They choose to bite into stuff, fruits, uh, that God never intended for them to have. And that has been going on ever since, that we as people, we bite into stuff that, you know, maybe traditionally that's off limits, that's no, but, oh, we can do it. We, we can handle it. Who, who will know, you know? And so it has taken us on this path of making our own choices, deciding for ourselves what is okay and not okay. You know, the world, things in the world, it, it's so alluring. You know, sin really is crummy and it's awful and that price has to be paid. But the truth is, we're all sinners in this room, every single one of us, whether you think you are or not, we are, we are. And, you know, I think that if we're honest, sometimes it's like you look at things and you think, it's not so bad, it's, why not? You know, 
the, it's so alluring to want to be like the world we live in. I'm going to tell you, let's, I'll just say, it's so alluring to be an American, a Christian living in America, and it is so alluring to want to be an American Christian. We'll be American Christian. Greatest religion on earth, greatest country on earth, and it's so good, and we'll just, we love hybrids, especially now, you know, so Christian and the world, got it. And you know, I am really grateful that I was born in this country. I'm thankful I'm an American. But in recent times especially, I've realized that I've got to really take seriously Jesus' words saying, you cannot have two masters. Because you know what? You really are going to end up loving one and hating the other. It is a challenge now for us as Christians to live in America where we have such abundance and we have such wealth and we have such, so many good things and there's so many attractions and just not somehow just try to go through the world and really not even think about there might be times where we have to make a distinction between our world and the kingdom of God. You know, I, I, have, I have two sons, you know, and I, one of my sons, when he was in high school, um, I'll tell you, he, he had a bunch of friends, and I found in my van that I loved to drive back then, um, I found an empty carton uh, that had had eggs in them, you know, an egg carton, but no eggs in there. And when I found that, I said to this son, you know, I, I found this in my car. You have your own car. You want eggs thrown at you, thrown out, messing up your car. You drive your car. Do not drive my car. Okay, Mom. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And it wasn't long at all before one night, a Friday night, he says to me, Mom, I, I want to use your car because all the guys are gone and we can all just fit into your car, Mom, and it'd just be great. And I said, okay, but no eggs. Okay, right, right, no eggs. I, I know, Mom, I know, really. And so they go off, and about two hours later, we get a knock at the door, and I go to the door, and here's this police officer standing there saying to me, do you own a 19-whatever-it-was white minivan license number something? And I want to tell all of you who are parents, if you ever have a police officer come to your house and you know your kid has been driving a car and they say to you, is this car yours? It scares you to death. I think this son might understand that a little better now. <laughs> and the thing is, I remember... I remember, it just came, I think it was a God thing. I just thought, wait, if, he's, if he were dead, there'd be two of them here. I don't know if that's true, but I did. I really thought that. It, oh, good, he's not dead, there, there'd be two. 
Well, the police officer came in and said that um, people in that, it, who were in my car had been egging and they hit this car and it was older people and it scared them and it, it finally they came to the police station and they were now pressing charges for this assault and they could have had a wreck and, and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking you will have wished you died. <laughs> Lynn and I waited because there weren't cell phones then and all of that. And uh, Josh, I mean my son, <laughs> he comes into our bedroom and uh, I took one look at him and I knew he knows, we know. And here we thought we were going to be. So, and so Lynn begins to talk to him and address it. And, what, and I finally say, Josh, I said, is it? Was, did you just feel peer pressure? Did, did the guys just want to do that so bad and you felt like you just had to say yes? He looks at me just like this. No, I didn't feel it. Mom, it's fun. <laughs> it was fun. And I, fun. It's going like, to be a long time before you have fun again. But, you know, that is sort of the way. Good people, good kid, good people. But we just get drawn to, I know this, it says no, but I don't want my car. I can only get four or five in there. I want mom's van where I can pack them in. And, you know, it's fun. You know, it's just, this is, this is the way of the world. And somehow... I really believe that God, the resurrection, is so essential and necessary because of the state of the world. It's, it's not just about heaven. It's not just about having a way to have a sacrificial relationship with God because that went on without resurrection. I somehow believe as I look at scripture and I see how the world is described. It is the story of God in the world that it is the world that prompted, necessitated this amazing miracle of resurrection, life after death, physically back. That is in part anyway why the resurrection is so essential. It's because we sin and we make up. I, I, I will tell you, I was preparing this, and I can remember the first time I really ever experienced guilt or shame of sin. I was about, I'm going to say I was five, maybe five and a half, and my sister, who's almost a year younger than me, she was about four and a half or five, and we both lost a tooth on the same day. And so we went to bed, and we knew that there might be money under our pillows because we both lost our teeth. I woke up first, and I looked under my pillow. And there were two dimes, 20 cents. Wow. I, I'm old. Okay. I, <laughs> and I lifted up Jan's pillow, my sister, and there was a quarter and a penny. 
And I thought, 26, 20. You know, I'm just going to shift it. I'll split it. Because Jen will just be so happy that she got two. Two, two, two coins. She got it, two. And I got two, two. And you know what? Who's going to know? It, it, I can do this. I can do this. It's no big deal. We both get two. She'll be happy. I'm happier. <laughs> and I did. There was this, I can just, I can still see Jan and I walking out of our bedroom. I can see that house we lived in. My mom and dad sitting at the dining room table, coming in, and Jan runs over and is excitedly shares. Look what I got. I got two. See, I knew she just thought it was two. And she says, I got two. I got two. And I'm just, you know, happy. And then my mom and dad, they just looked at me. And my dad said, uh, Robin, what, what did you get? I can remember saying, I got two, too. <laughs> but honestly, even now, I remember feeling just almost shaky. Somehow, my dad knew. My mom knew. The, the sin, I didn't use that word, but that wrongdoing, I, did, I didn't think it would matter. It didn't matter that I took from her and, and took to myself and gave her to and all this deceit. It, what, what difference does it make? We, we both got two. But I, I will never forget that. I felt, I felt almost kind of sick, not because I was a good kid. It was just like in this moment, I felt so exposed. I felt so, I felt probably just, oh, I wish I hadn't done this. It wasn't that my mom and dad even made a big deal out of it, but I just experienced the consequence, that feeling, that being caught in sin and really hating it. I think that the resurrection really has a lot to do with God's great, love and concern for the world. In the Bible, you know, God is really all about the world. God is all about people, all about restoration. And so in Genesis 1 through 11, going back to that, you know, we have these two chapters where things great. Everything goes downhill from there. I mean, we have... The flood, we have murder, we have sibling rivalry, we have lies, we have the Tower of Babel. We have it all in those 11 chapters. But in chapter 12 of Genesis, this is what happens. God speaks. God enough. And God gets the last word of how things are going to be. It's not going to go on like this. I get the last word, God says. And so he speaks to a man named Abraham, Abram, and he says, Abram, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave what you know. I want you to leave your kindred. And I am going to take you to a new place, a new land. 
and I am going to bless you there. I am going to make you so prosperous. You will have more descendants than even you could count the stars. I am going to bless you. I am going to bless your descendants because so that I can bless the whole world. There's the world again. I'm going to do that, Abraham. And I want to bless you, and I want you to know you're going to, you know that. But really, it is so that I can bless the world. The resurrection is that word again that says, I get the last word. I will speak into this. You know, from Genesis 12, it goes to Exodus, and we get the same thing again. God, you know, Adam and Eve, their Abraham, I mean, you know, their children, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 kids, a little bit of problem there. Joseph goes to Egypt. A pharaoh comes in, and he doesn't remember Joseph. And so we find we're taken to this great nation where there is just no need for God whatsoever. It has gone from Abraham to this. And God has watched this. God is patient. God has heard the words and the last words of generations, of people, the world. But we find in chapter 3 of Exodus that God's enough. I am going to get the last word now. And all the wealth of that nation and all the power of that nation and Pharaoh just thinks he's so great and he just has made himself God like he's really something. You know what? I put up all of this because I love the world. That is an underlying truth. God loves the world. No matter how messed up we are, God loves the world. But when the world pushes to a point where it breaks down families and there's slavery and children don't matter and death is no big deal and community can be divided and no mention of God, God moves in and says, you know what? I have seen. I have been watching this. I have been there. I have seen the misery of those people. And I've heard their cries. I've heard their groans. Actually, I've heard it, but I've experienced it with them. God says, I know, yada is the word yet. I know their suffering. I have been right there. I am so connected. I know it with them. It's the same word that is used when, in Scripture when a man will know his wife. For those of us who've been married a while, you know, we, we kind of we get that. You know, I can be in a room and take one look over at Lenita, and he will know what I'm thinking. I know all about him. If somebody says to Lynn, do you know Robin Smith? He would not say, oh, yeah, I know her. I mean, Lynn Smith knows Robin Smith, and he has stayed with her anyway. 
But God is saying, I'm not just distant. I'm really, I, I am always present in the world no matter how bad it gets. I am always present in your life no matter how bad it gets. I will be always be present to your child no matter what is going on with them. And then God says, and so I'm going to deliver. I am going to redeem. I am going to move in, and I am going to get the last word, and he certainly does. And we have this great salvation story of the Old Testament. And see, this cycle of God having the last word different times throughout history, he grabs it back until one day he says, enough is enough. And an angel of the Lord appears to a young woman and says to her, Greetings, the Lord has found favor with you. God's word speaks in. I'm going to get the last word. I'm going to get the word now. And so you are going to conceive Mary, and you're going to have a son, and he will be great and save his people. And that word became flesh and really did dwell among us. And in the resurrection of Jesus, we get this ultimate final word to the world. World, I am going to always be greater always be more powerful. I will always have another word. Even when you may think I'm being totally silent, the resurrection says, get it. I do have power over everything. In the resurrection of Jesus, we find that, you know, it's really true. God so loves the world so loves the world that he gave his son and he gave it for the whosoevers it's not like i'm giving it for israel i'm giving it for those who believe in me i'm giving it for those but i am giving it to the world because whosoever is going to have access to me i want to give life and there is no other word in earth that can stop that And it's because of the resurrection that Paul tells the church, this is why we can forever declare, you know, I don't care how much trouble, chaos, how bad things may be. We can declare, hey, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, we get victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I like it that our children and Tricia really made the teaching of today resurrection. We, um, our practice at Mountainside is to take the Eucharist, communion, every single Sunday, every Sunday, every time we get together, every time, we, we do this. And if you remember, we've just come out of Holy Week, but Jesus 
breaks this bread and, and takes the cup and he gives it to the people that know him, love him, follow him, and are going to really betray him shortly. And he knows that. But he says to them, I want you to take this and eat it. And, and as often as you are together and you do this, take this bread, take this blood to remember me, to remember that my body was broken, to remember that my blood was shed for the world. There are many traditions um, that, that hold to, you know, this is for people that would come and sit around the table of Christ and, and would know him. And, but at Mountainside, and, and I certainly think as I've thought about this teaching today, Jesus really, he died for everybody, even knowing there are going to be people that will always oppose me. It didn't matter to Jesus. It mattered that he was going to die. He left that dinner and three times went and prayed, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this pass from me. Any other way, God. Any other way, Father. But your will be done. And you know what? That's the way it went. It was the Father's will because God, through Christ's death and through the resurrection, not only the people of God, but the whole world would know God gets the last word. So we invite anyone who would like to come and receive these elements. Jesus says, you're welcome. I invite you. I love you. I died for you. And in my resurrection, it is just this exclamation mark. It all ends me. And that is really good news.